What if the more things change, the more they stay the same for the BYU football program this coming season? We'll talk about what I mean by that. We'll also talk BYU basketball. The 20th-ranked Cougars headed face-off against number 25 Texas Tech tomorrow. We caught up one-on-one with Noah Waterman. It's all ahead on Locked on Cougars. You are Locked on Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you who are everydayers with us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And by way of introduction, this is still your original daily podcast focused on all things BYU. And we are brought to you today by our great friends over at Game Time. Uh, download the Game Time app today, create an account, use the promo code Locked On for $20 off your first purchase to your next event you want to go out to and get tickets for. That's Game Time. Download the app today and get started with our friends at game time. All right, let's dive right in on today's show. And I had a conversation with a friend of mine earlier this week. He's an avid listener of this podcast. And you know who you are because I know you're going to be uh, watching and or listening to this podcast. Uh, But we had a conversation about the quarterback situation for BYU going into 2024. Now, it's the biggest position in any football team, especially at BYU and the pantheon of greats that BYU's had of eras past. The quarterback position is always going to take – an extra, I don't know, measure or an extra um, overall uh, emphasis with regards to how important that position is, especially in this modern era of the sport. The biggest thing for BYU is they need to get high-level quarterback play if they want to get to where they hope to be, and that is to be a program that at bare minimum annually is a uh, bowl uh, team, makes a 6-6 six and six record or beyond, and ultimately down the road, BYU aspires to compete for conference championships in the Big 12 Conference. Now, how realistic is that? Can they realistically challenge for a conference title as soon as 2024? I'd say that'd be a little bit of a far cry for me to expect that, but the point uh, that we uh, came to a conclusion on after our conversation was that BYU has made some curious, uh, probably is the best way to say it, moves at quarterback. Obviously, bringing in Gary Bohannon as your lone transfer portal option is a very interesting move in and of itself. This is a guy that, uh, in his one really healthy season at Baylor, did lead the Bears to a conference title, also a Sugar Bowl berth, and uh, really impressive stuff in that one season. Outside of that, though, the story with Gary Bohannon has been injury, and he's been on the shelf essentially for the last year and a half with that shoulder injury he suffered seven games into his run at USF after transferring from Baylor, and how much can BYU really bet on with him? Other thing is Noah Lugo's coming in here for BYU, and Noah Lugo is a very, very talented athlete, but not necessarily maybe a quarterback at this point. He needs to learn the quarterbacking side of uh, taking advantage of his physical gifts. This is a kid who is supremely talented, got legit uh, track, sprinter speed, he's a high hurdler, down there in Texas in his offseason from football. Very, very talented young man, but is he ready to step in and play right away? I don't think so. Same situation for a guy like Ryder Burton. Ryder Burton came to BYU at 17 years old. He's very, very young for uh, his for his class status with regards to entering BYU, and he may not be up to speed. So the point that uh, me and uh, this aforementioned friend came to is that BYU is expecting, at least from 
are talking back and forth. And trust me, we went back and forth on this, throwing out different hypotheticals, talking about things we expect, all that type of stuff. But as I mentioned in the open of today's show, maybe if the more things change, what I mean by that is bringing in freshman quarterbacks the likes of Noah Lugo, bringing in a grad transfer like of uh, of Gary Bohannon, is BYU really banking on Jake Retzloff taking kind of the next step with development this offseason and knowing that he is firmly in the mix, if not the outright op- number one option to be BYU's starting quarterback? I'm starting to feel that that is the way BYU is leaning. And I don't have any inside intel on this. And if, if any of you do have inside intel, I'd be happy to hear from you. Let me know. But uh, the bigger point I'm trying to make is I think BYU still believes in the talent that Jake Retzloff showed during his junior college days. This is a kid, as many of you might recall, maybe some of you don't, that comes out of one of the premier high school football programs in Southern California and Cent- uh, Corona Centennial down there. They pump out Division One talent on an annual basis. We're talking double digit guys seemingly every year from that high school go uh, to Division I schools. The circumstances that led Jake Retzloff to the junior college ranks was he was one of the guys who got caught up in the COVID pandemic and California not having a 2020 football season for him to really show what he's capable of when he finally was finally ascending to the top job with Corona Centennial. Ultimately, he went to Golden West College for a year and then landed at Riverside Community College and put up monster numbers in both of those seasons and then ended up as ESPN's number one rated junior college quarterback in the last recruiting uh, class in 2023, and BYU brings him in. The whole thought for BYU, I can tell you this much as I understand it, was that BYU expected to have Keaton Slovis be the guy this past season in 2023, then let Jake Retzloff get a little bit of game time, maybe in blowouts or uh, just when BYU is getting blown out, get him that game time, allow him to play in up to four games, and then the expectation was that Jake Retzloff would be the quarterback here in 2024 and 2025 to kind of set up the timeline for BYU's quarterback room to kind of lay out how they wanted it to be. Now, obviously, Keaton Slovis getting injured and Jake Retzloff being thrown into the fire, those four games he played, they were not ideal. He had some inopportune uh, turnovers, that 100-yard pick six against Oklahoma, chief among them, that obviously have soured a number of BYU fans on his ability. And sure, his stats weren't great. I think it was in the mid-50s with regards to his completion percentage. He wasn't necessarily great with touchdown-interception ratio. He was a walking turnover machine at times for the BYU football program. But those two games against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, they were really really, really strong flashes of the type of player that Jake Retzloff could ultimately become for BYU. So, is it the BYU is making moves around the edges of their quarterback room, bringing in a Gary Bohannon, in essence, as a insurance policy? He's a guy who understands BYU's system because he ran it at Baylor under Jeff Grimes. He knows what Aaron Roderick and company are going to ask of him as a quarterback. If Jake Retzloff ultimately does get injured or if he is ineffective in his role, that's maybe when you insert Gary Bohannon into the lineup. That So... <laughs> I know it sounds almost ludicrous to say, but I'm starting to come around to the thought that Jake Retzloff very much is going to still be QB1 for BYU in 2024, and I don't think it's all that surprising if you really kind of drill down on this. So let me know what you think. Am I up in the night? Am I crazy? Do you guys think I'm completely bonkers with that thought process? But like I said, that conversation I had with a dear friend who he's one of the say everydayers on this podcast. Well, I can tell you he's an everydayer on this podcast. And uh, it was very interesting because his whole point was he thinks that it is Retzloff and it has been Retzloff from the get-go. I've been a guy who's been thinking, okay, maybe they're uh, bringing Gary Bohannon in thinking, okay, it's a, it's a rent low uh, with a potential for high production out of him. 
But the more I kind of think about this, trusting that Gary Bohannon's going to be back to 100% and be able to step in after a year and a half layoff and really just take the thing and run with it, it seems dicey, a dicey proposition at best. Jake Rutzloff at least has played in the last year and a half. That So may, let me know, am I, am I crazy in thinking that? I, I'd love your guys' feedback, and obviously drop it in the notes below here on YouTube if you're watching it or if you're listening to it on our regular podcast feeds. Reach out via social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can search out Locked on Cougars. Uh, my social media on, on X, or formerly known as Twitter, Jacob C. Hatch. You can reach out that way as well. And let me know if I'm crazy, uh, if, if you agree with me, but I, I'm very interested to get you guys' feedback on this. Now, uh, there's plenty of other feedback I'm going to offer up here in just a moment because I had a great opportunity to to get a number of questions from our subtext community. Uh, and then once again, let me just apologize that we did not get a Thursday edition of the podcast out. Uh, let's just put it this way. Circumstances be what they were. I uh, got pulled away in the time I typically record in. I uh, was used up uh, helping out others around me, and it would be a family member that needed some help. But nonetheless, uh, happy to do that. And obviously, we're back in action today after an unexpected uh, one-day hiatus. But let's get to your guys' questions. And they came from our subtext community. If you're not signed up today, please do so. The link's in the show notes below. And obviously, it's a great way to interact to the show and support the show at the same time. And we'll get to those questions, some great ones submitted, and we'll get to all those as we continue on right here on Locked on Cougars. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. Now, FanDuel has been with us for months now. They've been with us all uh, football season long. And, of course, with the NFL regular season wrapped up and the playoffs rolling on, my friends, there is still time to get in on the action with our friends over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers, you can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Think about that. It's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, with a $5 bet. The best part is the app is super easy to use. They want to make it as simple as possible to have fun in the gaming uh, gaming or betting sphere with our friends at FanDuel. The best part is they have live games, live same-game parlays, bets in the new Explore tab, which lets you kind of look at other bets that are out there that may you may not have considered. If you want to bet on money line spreads, player props, no matter what is futures, whatever you want, They've got it for you guys. That's the best part about it. And the uh, the best part is FanDuel.com is where you get started today. So FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup today with that $150 in bonus bets courtesy of your friends at FanDuel. Once again, FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. It's all courtesy of FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Utah Community Credit Union. They have a new feature called Learn and Earn. The UCCU mobile banking app is paying your entire family to learn about money. Uh, it sounds crazy enough, but it's legit. I actually just recently got my first gift card after uh, working uh, since the new year on that. I'm planning on adding a number more uh, to my uh, account. The best part about Learn and Earn is it breaks on financial topics kind of fun bite-sized educational games like quizzes and trivia. Every time a family member completes a topic, they earn points that can accrue and be redeemed for gift cards to stores like Amazon, Apple, Sephora, Walmart, Nike, and many, many more. The first one I got was an Amazon gift card. And I can tell you, Mrs. Hatch is going to use that gift card very, very quickly. The best part is there's age-appropriate content for every member of your family. Y'all can compete against one another and track your progress on leaderboards as well. Learner is available inside the UCC mobile banking app. So the best way to do it is you can play it anytime, anywhere. And trust me, I have played it almost everywhere I can imagine just with downtime I have in my day. The best part is Learner is part of UCC's award-winning beat uh, be Money Smart Youth Banking program helping kids, teens, and parents have fun have fun while becoming more financially literate together. It's all courtesy of your friends at UCCU. Love where you bank. 
Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. Thank you to all of you uh, for checking it out. All right, if you've not signed up today, I'm going to encourage you to another shameless plug to sign up for our subtext community. It's a great way to interact with the show literally via text messages that come directly to your phone. I'm having a great time with it. Uh, we've got, uh, I think we're closing in on 60 subscribers. Want to get to triple digits as soon as possible. Would love for you guys to be a part of it. The best part is, like I said, it's a text message. You send me a text message, it pops up on my phone. I can fire right back to you. I can pass along information almost instantaneously and it goes directly to your text messages. Think about that. It's a really, really simple way uh, to interact with the show and also support the show at the same time. There's a 14-day free trial and then also it's just $5 a month after that, $4.99 technically uh, a month. But uh, appreciate all of you who have checked it out so far and looking forward to having many, many more of you down the road join us. All right, let's dive right in. Our our, uh, questions uh, today for our our mailbag come from our subtext community. First one comes from our good friend Matt. He says, if Noah Fafita enters the portal in the spring period, what are the chances BYU can land him? Well, I I don't necessarily know what BYU's chances of landing him are because Noah Fafita, Matt, is going to have endless endless opportunities if he ultimately enters the NCAA transfer portal. This is a kid who has proven himself at the Power 5 football level, led Arizona to a 10-3 and record. It sounds like in many ways he's kind of sticking it to uh, Jed Fish, who spurned him in Arizona by jumping to Washington, and it sounds like he's going to stick around at Arizona, and maybe he does get burned out uh, with Brent Brennan and decides to leave after a spring. But BYU very much would try to get their... uh, hands into that race or toss their hat in the ring, I guess is the best way to say it with regards to Fafita, but uh, they'll be one of a hundred teams that want to get Fafita in and uh, be very, very nice to get a guy of his caliber to BYU, but uh, TBD if it ultimately comes that way. Another quarterback question comes from our good friend Michael. How hard is BYU pushing to get Helaman Kasuga, and they have a legit shot of getting him from Corner Canyon? Now, Helaman Kasuga, uh, you may be saying Corner Canyon. Well, he was recently at a Tim View the past two years as their starting quarterback, and lo and behold, he's transferred to Corner Canyon to play for Eric Kerr up there in Draper. You know what? It is what it is. I, I have my druthers with how uh, the transfer portal and how transfers are affecting high school football, but nonetheless, Helaman Kasuga is a legit uh, talent. He's a potential four, five-star type talent. And BYU's been on him from the get-go. They've been on him since he was a freshman at Tim View, maybe even before that, and they have been loving him up. Now, Helaman, similar to Noah Fafita, just in the terms of the high school realm of things, is going to have no shortage of options. He's got USC already looking at him. He's got essentially every big-name football program has got an eye on this young man. Now, Kasuga has got the skills that pay the bill. He's got a big arm. He's got above-average athleticism. He's got the capability of running an offense and Going and playing for a guy like uh, Eric Kerr, the offensive wizard that he is as a coach, is only going to unlock uh, his game even further, and that's obviously going to net extra recruiting attention for a guy like Helaman Kasuga. But BYU is going to have as good a shot as I feel like anybody could because they have been on him literally since day one. So I think that they've got a decent chance at landing him, but until he says thanks but no thanks, you just stay in the race. That's the biggest thing for BYU. You just got to hang in uh, with that. Uh, Pete, Peter asked this, any transfer portal guys that you know of that BYU is chasing or have had on visits? What I understand is BYU is hot on the heels of offensive linemen. That's the position group uh, that I know BYU has been chasing. Do I do no names? No, I have not. Have I pressed too much on trying to ask for names? No, I also have not done that. I could probably ask a little 
more deeply on that, but I do know that BYU is after offensive line men uh, using MEN. They're not after just one lineman. They're after multiple. I would also hope that BYU is after at least one running back, but maybe that comes after spring after they get a look at what they have at the running back position and then jump back into the portal at this, that point to get a running back. But I know right now the biggest thing is BYU is looking at offensive linemen, and uh, with regards to visits, uh, they can come like, at any time. These guys, uh, if, they're, if they're graduate transfers, can transfer at any point, and they can enroll at any point. So it's a very interesting situation, and we'll see what happens. Uh, Donovan, Gil- Donovan asked this question. Here's my question. Now the football staff is completely finished. What does it look like uh, for this upcoming season? And, oh, excuse me, I, I just cut it off by clicking on it. Uh, let's see if I can get that question back up. I apologize. I'm screwing this up here live on air. It's always good times. All right, here's my question. So here's my question. Now the football staff is completely finished. What does it look like for this upcoming season and the new college football playoff going to 12? How does that play a factor? Well, frankly, Donovan, to answer your question, BYU staff, I think, is pretty well composed. I think that they've done a good job at filling holes that they had and obviously wanting to get the right guys into new roles. Obviously, T.J. Woods is the offensive line coach. You also bring Kevin Gilbride in as the tight ends coach. The hope is that BYU can uh, make a move and obviously establish themselves as a winning football program. They don't want to have this bullish drought extend any further than just this past season. They want to be a bowl-eligible team. Now, 12-team playoff ultimately opens the door for more teams to play in the postseason. There's no doubt about that. But it just feels like BYU is maybe a little ways off from getting into that conversation with regards to really challenging for national supremacy, but the hope is down the road, BYU can get to that level. That That's the whole dream, and we'll see what ultimately shakes out on that front. Alright, so there you go. So that's the football side of things. Now, on the basketball side of things, uh, some great questions. Uh, Laramie, oh, yeah, Laramie asked this question. Is there an injury update on the basketball team? Well, I was at BYU uh, basketball media availability earlier today. I'm recording this on Thursday in the interest of full disclosure, Thursday night, technically. It'll be going out Friday, but uh, uh, it sounds like Trevin Nell is very close, if not a available to play uh, Saturday against Texas Tech. It sounds like Fuseni Traore, TBD. Uh, Mark uh, Pope was very uh, kind of ho-hum on the chances of him playing. He said he did say that like right at tip-off against Iowa State, BYU did get clearance for Fuseni to play in that game against the Cyclones, but Pope said, I, I was just a little bit scared. I decided to ultimately just uh, keep him on the bench, and I can understand that. You want to get him as healthy as possible. If Foose is capable of contributing, I don't see why you don't play him, but you got to be very careful. And then for those of you also wondering, uh, Dawson Baker has officially been shut down for the season. Uh, it sounds like he's going to have a second surgery on his foot that he had a, a screw placed into to hopefully uh, fix the, the I think it was a broken bone or whatever it was, in his foot. But it sounds like he's going to be a more intensive surgery now is, is the term that uh, Mark Pope used. But Dawson Baker has been shut down. He will apply for a medical hardship waiver, which would still give him two years of eligibility beyond this season. Obviously, is a guy that BYU would love to have on the court, but they're not going to have him the rest of the season. And then on Marcus Adams' side of things, a couple of you asked about that. Uh, it sounds like Marcus Adams is just still working through some uh, injury concerns of his own. Uh, Mark Pope was like, hey, if we can get him up to speed and get him ready to go, we're not afraid to play him. It's the way it sounds like, but he's just not been 100% yet. That... And when a guy's not ready to play, you can't you can't just force him onto the court. So that that's the biggest thing is he's still dealing with things a foot and a, a knee injury or an ankle injury, something like that that he was dealing with. Those may be nagging and lingering. Maybe picked up something uh, different. But uh, Marcus Adams, the biggest thing for BYU is they didn't necessarily anticipate having him all that much this year because remember originally he was part of that group that had to apply for that uh, waiver as a second uh, transfer uh, guy, and uh, it didn't look like necessarily great odds that BYU was going to get that waiver. So. 
if you get anything out of Marcus Adams this season, it's great because I really think that the whole thought process, honestly, this season for him was to redshirt, get his body right, and then next year to kind of hit the ground running for BYU. He's a supreme talent. He has got legit high-level NBA aspiration, aspirational type talent. And hopefully we'll see that on the court before too long, but we'll see what happens on, on that side of things. All right. A couple other basketball questions here. Um, uh, Weston asked this, Jake, I don't usually follow basketball. However, this BYU team playing in this conference has been so exciting. And I just did the same thing. If I click on the, the message, it, it disappears, but it's been so exciting that it's been must watch. That being said, what do you think is going to be the game that BYU shouldn't win, but does conversely, what game should BYU win, but loses? And also, so any chance of getting one of the basketball players to be a guest on the program, much like Connor Pay? Let's answer the last question first. Hadn't even necessarily considered having an NIL a guest from the basketball program. I can look into that. I, I don't know what the chances are of it, and it may be just too late in the year to do it, but I will look into that. Now to your other questions. Uh, what do you think is going to be the game BYU wins but sh- uh, shouldn't win but does? Uh, Houston next uh, Tuesday, for example. That's one on my mind, the BYU in their home gym in front of the home faithful there at the Marriott Center. I'm hoping it's sold out Tuesday night. Uh, this is a Houston team that's been ranked in the top five all season long. Really, really good team, and I think BYU could spring an upset on them. Another one that would be awesome is like BYU going to uh, the, the Fog, Fog Island Fieldhouse out in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, and upsetting Kansas. I think it's more likely BYU gets a big win over a team like Houston at home than I do think it is to go on the road and lose uh, to a team like a uh, like a Kansas. But we'll see. Uh, but, yeah, I'll put my money right now on Houston. It feels like the one BYU should lose, but they pull out a win in. And then, conversely, what game should BYU win but loses? Uh, Oklahoma State's 0-4. They don't necessarily look uh, like all that great, but you could go to Stillwater and lose that game. West Virginia doesn't look great either. You go all the way to West Virginia because you have to make that trip all the way across country to Morgantown to play that game. That could be a tough one. The BYU should win but loses that one. But the nature of the Big 12 is it is a literally a dog-eat-dog world out there. It's just crazy uh, how uh, nuts this league is. Uh, the top teams right now are 3-1. and one. Half of the league, including BYU, is 2-2 two and two right now. There's a few teams that are 1-3, and three, and then the, the, the bottom dweller, as I mentioned, is Oklahoma State, who's 0-4. It's crazy how competitive this league is, but on any given night, it feels like any team, and maybe Oklahoma State accepted right now, uh, can beat you. And that'll be interesting to see what happens uh, for BYU. All right, we're going to give the final question uh, to our good friend Adrian here. He says, uh, this question, and I got I got, I can't lie, when I got this question from Adrian, I did uh, chuckle a little bit. But a great question here. Which coach will fans hate next year? They always find someone. Hasn't always been warranted. We seem to have a good staff. And I think he's more referring to BYU football with that question. Uh, And I'll give you a short list of people I'm going to put on that list. Uh, Aaron Roderick. Kalani Sataki. uh, TJ Woods is the offensive line coach. The offensive line falters at all. Uh, I'll also give the strength and conditioning staff a nod on that short list as well because seemingly when injuries happen, guess who the first people get blamed are? Oh, yeah, the strength and conditioning staff. Let me reiterate on the strength and conditioning side of things, folks. Injuries happen. It's football. It is an inherently violent sport. I know they've tried to legislate some things out of the game, but it is still a sport that is absolutely brutal. I didn't play past the high school football level. I actually had my sister-in-law recently ask me, what do you think your body would have felt like had you played past high school? I'm like, well, considering I still deal with some aches and pains simply from playing in high school, ooh, I can only imagine what it would have been like playing in the college realm. So 
It is a brutal sport. It takes a toll on your body. So strength and conditioning, yeah, they're going to get blamed, but they shouldn't because they do their best to keep these guys in tip-top shape. But it, it's, it, injuries happen. They just they do happen in the sport of football. So I guess that's my short list of people to blame. And I'll just add one more. Why not? Let's just, I know Adrian, I know you'll like this one. Let's add Tom Homo to the list. Cause trust me when BYU is losing games, uh, any of you who are on social media, especially on Twitter slash X, just go look at the mentions of Tom Homo and in a game that BYU is losing. There are some hot, the spicy hot takes uh, that come out from BYU fans. That, uh, jeez, they, they 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 do not hold back when it comes to their conversations, at least their their thoughts when they pass them along to Tom. So uh, crazy, crazy stuff. But thank you, honestly, for all of your questions. I meant to get those on, on yesterday's show, but alas, once again, we didn't get the episode out. So uh, doing it on today's show. Now we're going to finish up today's show by talking a little bit about Texas Tech, but more importantly, Importantly, we're going to let you get to know Noah Waterman. Fascinating conversation. It went much longer than I anticipated it going when I sat down with him just before BYU media availability on Thursday. It was a great chat. I learned a lot about this young man, what drives him, what makes him want to be a part of the BYU basketball program, what made him want to be part of it, and obviously what drives him forward now as a member of Mark Pope's team. We'll get to all that here in just a moment. Now, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. Game Time is here for you to get you to the events you want to go to, no matter what it is, sports, music, comedy, theater events near you. They've got all the options available to you, and the best part is they got last-minute deals that absolutely blow the water out of everybody with killer last-minute deals, all-in prices available right away. Views from your seat and their best price guaranteed. Game Time is taking the guesswork out of getting to the events that you want to go to and buying tickets to said events. They have last-minute tickets, flash deals, zone deals. They're easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event. The best part is you can make those purchases in two taps and you're on your way to the event and looking forward to the great time you're about to have at the event of your choosing. The best part is the tickets exist inside the game time apps. You're not having to kind of fumble through your email to find those barcodes to get into the event. You Open up that app, they're right there, you scan them, you're into the venue, and on you go to enjoy your time with your friends, family, whoever you happen to be at the event with. So today, I want to encourage you guys to get started with our friends at Game Time. they got a great offer for you guys. Download the Game Time app today, create an account, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and get $20 off your first purchase. The best part is they have a guarantee that if you find tickets in the same row for a better price, they'll credit you back 110% of the difference. That's incredible, my friends. It's a great guarantee. So once again, get started. Started today with our friends, you can download the Game Time app. Terms apply, but again, create that account and redeem the promo code L O C K E D O N for twenty dollars off your purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. I want to encourage you guys, if you're not done so already, make sure you check out the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel right now. All right. Uh, I had a great conversation yesterday with Noah Waterman. Learned a lot about this young man. Uh, there's a connection to Jimmer Fredette in this uh, conversation. There is a, a connection to why he loves BYU fans. I, I really, really enjoyed getting to know Noah Waterman. So without further ado, let's get to it. Here's Noah Waterman with myself right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. What's the season been like to this point in your mind? Um, the season's been really good. Uh, I feel like this is what we worked for all summer. Uh, all the hard work that we put in during the summer and the beginning of the season. Uh, it's really just showing now. Uh, a lot of people counted us out, and uh, we just 
our motto was like we wanted to prove everybody wrong, and so far we've been doing that. What? Why, why was that mentality there? Is it because of some of the, the failures last year and like people were, like you said, maybe discounting you guys a little bit coming into the year? Oh, uh, yeah, definitely. So, like, last year we didn't have that great of a season, mm-hmm. uh, losing to, like, not good teams and stuff. So we just put a lot of work in uh, during the, the summer, and we just we knew we were a really good team. I feel like we just had to come together with our chemistry. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as you can see on the court, uh, we really play unselfish and really trust each other. Um, so that's that's where it really started for us. What what was the biggest thing you worked on in particular? Uh, me, yeah, I was in the gym a lot. I okay. was working on a little bit of everything okay. with my game. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to improve a lot because I had a bad season the the year before, mm-hmm. and I didn't want to want that to happen again. So uh, coach really emphasized like defense though. Mm-hmm. So because that's something that you can do every day. You know, even if you're a great shooter, you're gonna have those days where you're not gonna be able to make a shot. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter how good you are, you can be Steph Curry. He still has those days. Um, but if you focus on the things that you can do every day consistently, uh, like defense and rebounding, uh, that's something is mostly just effort. Um, so if you work on those things, everything else will roll into place. We've seen Coach Fenn always kind of taking that defensive coordinator role in a way, and it seems like almost every other possession, you guys can be switching into different defenses. How, how critical has that been in your guys' success in your mind? Uh, I think it's been super critical. Uh, you never want the opposite team to like, know what you're doing. And uh, Coach Vanell really like, switches it up all the time. Mm-hmm. And he has all these hand signals. Sometimes he calls it a little late. Okay. And we're, we're kind of scrambling to get to it. Uh, but we've been practicing this uh, all summer long, like I was saying. Like, yeah. we were doing scenarios where okay. it's like we had one second to get into this defense, mm-hmm. see the hand signal, get into it. Um, and I think that really just helps us a lot, uh, just so the opposite team really doesn't know what's ever coming. Do, do all five of you have to look over at him, or is there one person that kind of picks up on it and tells you guys what's going on, or does it matter? Um, so how it works is, like, once one person sees it, got it. Okay. you got to just communicate to everybody yeah. else. And if you don't, then <laughs> Coach Vanell is going to be a little mad at you. Okay, so it, just, it becomes a scramble drill at that point. Exactly. Okay. Uh, I wanted to ask you, so the first three games of Big 12 play in particular, you didn't necessarily have the best outings. You've had some really, really good outings before that non-conference play, but this past game really broke out once again. What keyed that in your mind? Um, like I was saying before, like uh, being a shooter, like right. you're going to have those games where you just can't hit shots, and mm-hmm. I had two of those games. And uh, I just try to not get down on myself. I'm here for the team. I want to do everything I can uh, for us to continue winning. Mm-hmm. So I was just going to focus on defense and rebounding. Uh, I knew being a shooter, like you can't get down on yourself because you're gonna, your shots are going to fall. Like I'm not worried about that. But those are just two little bumps in the road. Um, and... Last game, uh, saw the ball go in the hoop, mm-hmm. and uh, feeling pretty good. So, how fun has it been to see guys like Trevin and some most recent name Spencer go for these career high numbers? No, it, it's awesome. It's awesome seeing Spoons went for twenty eight. Uh, dude really couldn't miss. Uh, it's awesome because we have so many like weapons on the court. Uh, I've said this before, but it's like it's so hard to scout us because we have so many guys on the team that will and can drop like 25 so it's hard to scout a team where we play so unselfish and we play to wherever the ball goes like and whoever's open they're gonna shoot so like Spence he the ball was finding him a lot and he had a great game that happens a lot with Trevin uh, Richie uh, everybody on our team really so it's it's really cool to play this way you guys are headed to Texas Tech on Saturday. Now, this is a run, so I, I read this. So 
the last time BYU played three ranked opponents in a row was 1981 when Danny Ainge was here as a, as a player. It's been mm-hmm. a hot minute since this has happened. How big is this for you guys to play this caliber of opposition? Uh, I mean, I think it's really cool. Uh, I think it's really big for BYU as an organization uh, to be playing all these ranked teams. And in these next past year, next years, like this is what's gonna, this is how it's gonna be uh, day in and day out. Like we're in the Big 12, best basketball conference in the country. Um, so it's really, really awesome for me to like play in these games. Um, but I think we just gotta prepare like we always do. There's no difference. Because uh, after this game, we're going to play another ranked team and another ranked team. Mm-hmm. So it's like you just got to prepare the same way and go out and play like we know we can, and it'll be a great game. Was this what you were looking forward to when you transferred to BYU? No, yeah, definitely, 100%. <laughs> why, why so? Did you, did you get the chance to play at the highest level of college basketball? What was the reason? Uh, yeah, part of, of that, like playing at the, the yeah. best basketball conference in, in the world yeah. is – is uh, really intriguing Uh, and playing in these venues with all these fans and stuff I came from a uh, Mm mid-major college we'd have about 100 people in the stands so going into these great games and uh, and coming here with the coaching staff that was like a really big part of it like we have the best coaching staff in the country as well the coach Poe, Fennell, all these guys like they really care for you as a human being and a basketball player and they want to develop you in all aspects of life not just a basketball player so that's another reason. What's what's it like playing at the Marriott Center and like you mentioned, you had a hundred fans with Detroit Mercy, right? Yeah. What's the, what's the biggest thing you like about having fourteen, fifteen, eighteen thousand people here? Uh, it's awesome. Well, um, it's it's really dope because the energy that it like brings you. Yeah. Like even if you're, especially in the Marriott Center, like yeah. it's hard for us to lose in the Marriott Center mm-hmm. just because we have the best fans in the country, hundred percent. Okay. Um, but, like, if you go on a little run where they score a bunch, they're up five, mm-hmm. they just start giving you the energy. And, like, no matter how tired you are, with that energy in the building, like, you don't feel tired anymore and you can really uh, make a little run and step up and uh, be able to finish the game. Has it been fun? Like, you've been to Baylor and UCF so far in conference play. They've got some pretty crazy crowds in their own eyes. Is that fun as well to know that even when you go on the road, they're still pretty crazy crowds. Yeah, no, I love I love the energy. I love playing away games just because uh, everybody's kind of on you and and they're kind of hating on you yeah. because you're like you're the opposite team. But I love that energy. I love our fans, but also going going and people are like, ah, oh, you're you're not good and stuff like that. Like that really just uh, drives me, and it's it's just fun to play. In. Well, the next one is Texas Tech, and I wanted to ask you, what what, what do you see from Tech on film? What do you know about them? Uh, Texas Tech is a really good team. Um, the rank, what, 25th? 25, yeah. Yeah, um, they just had a tough loss just mm-hmm. the other night. But they're still a really good team. They got some really good guards, uh, some really strong strong bigs that we're going to have to keep off the glass. But uh, if we do that, win the rebounding game and defensive battle, like we should pull out the, the win. Keys to yeah, every game it feels like are those two things. you got to win those two, no doubt. Yes, sir. Uh, last thing for me is I wanted to talk to you about your time here at BYU. Uh, it's, it's kind of a unique institution, obviously, out there, but how has it been adapting to the culture here in Provo and the, the school? Um, yeah, so my first year it was a little weird, okay. just coming from New York, coming to Provo. <laughs> sure. I, two different worlds, mm-hmm. and I was at Detroit before this, so yeah, yeah definitely three different worlds yeah. coming here. Um, but I've really adjusted, mm-hmm. uh, really love the fans. And I'm really here just class, the gym, and my house, and the Marriott Center to play games. Um, but it's been really cool. All the fans and everybody has uh, really embraced all the transfers, and Ali, me, uh, Jackson. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been really nice. I really like my time here. 
not mistaken, you're kind of from the same general area that Jimmer, Jimmer Fredette was from up there in upstate New York. Did you know about Jimmer and the exploits here at BYU before you came here? Um, so I knew Jimmer came to BYU. I okay. didn't know too much about BYU okay. um, until I came out of my visit and stuff. Uh-huh. Um, but I knew Jimmer came here in, like, upstate, like, I've told somebody this before, but it's like when you're playing pickup and somebody shoots a three, they call it a jimmer because it's like, especially when I was younger, that sure. happened a lot. Yeah. They'd be like, ah, oh, he's got a jimmer. And when I was young, I didn't really know basketball. I didn't play till the eighth grade. So I'm okay. like, like, what is a jimmer? And then once I educated myself, I'm like, oh, okay, jimmer for debt. Like one of the best college basketball players ever. So, so you didn't hoop until eighth grade? No, I did w- not hoop What did young Noah Waterman do instead? Like what, was, what were your interests before basketball? Uh, I played music. Okay. Yeah, my whole family plays a lot of music. So, Like what instrument like, are, you, are you like singing? Like what do you do? Uh, no, nah, I'm not a great singer. Okay. People say I can, can sing a little bit, but no, nah, that's not my thing. I play uh, the guitar, okay. the drums, uh, the bass, just a bunch of little things that I grew up playing. What led you to hoops then? Uh, my brother. Okay. My older brother, he found basketball, and he, like, loved it, fell in love with it. I see how much fun he's having. We had a little basketball hoop on the road. Okay. And, like, he'd be out there for hours just working out. And then I was like, wow, like, he's having so much fun. I want to do it. Okay. So then we just started working out, and he really trained me my whole life. And, um, yeah. Well, it almost sounds like the Jimmer Fredette story because his older brother trained him as well. So yeah. kind, of, kind of funny how, how the two worlds almost collide in a way. But Noah, I want to thank you for the time. I guess the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll leave you on this is what is your favorite part about BYU so far that you've experienced? Favorite part, yeah. basketball-wise? Or anything, school, food, whatever it might be. Whatever. Uh, the your... Cougar Tales. No, okay. no, uh, no. Hey, that's not, that's not, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> no, I'm going to say the fans. Okay. 100% the fans, uh, without a doubt. Okay, very cool. Noah, thanks for the time. Hey, thank you. There you go, Noah Waterman, BYU forward, and really impressed to hear his story. This is a guy who played music all grown up till eighth grade, and now is this just this baller who is uh, doing his thing on the court for BYU. You, you heard him talk about it. it took him some time to adapt to the culture at BYU, but you can tell he's absolutely in love with BYU fans and very effusive in his praise of what uh, Mark Pope and the staff have done for him and his teammates here in Big 12 play. He came to BYU to play this uh, level of competition in a uh, big showdown against Texas Tech. There's no uh, mincing words about that. Uh, I have a goal here if I can uh, find some time on Friday to do a little, I guess, a little mini podcast with a little bit more in-depth look at Texas Tech and BYU to make up for the lack of a show on Thursday. So if I'm able to grind that out, I'll get that out to you guys in, in due uh, time. But uh, big thank you once again to Noah Waterman. Really, really enjoyed getting to know him. Crazy to think like his brother was training him and it's the TJ and Jimmer Fredette story all over again and back up there he's from like the Five Lakes area which is like near Susquehanna and you know some of you who are members of the LDS faith will know what I'm talking about uh, that area where a lot of what Joseph Smith's early years uh, were spent around uh, so he's from that area and they call it a Jimmer so Jimmer is still doing his thing, folks, all these years later, and he's still having an impact. So crazy, crazy stuff, but a big thank you all the same to Noah Waterman, and uh, looking forward to this matchup. BYU and Texas Tech tomorrow, 4 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, Fran Fraschilla is on the call of Mr. Big 12 Basketball himself uh, on ESPN2. Check out that game. We'll do a postcast edition as soon as that game goes final or shortly after is the goal uh, to let you guys know some of my immediate thoughts, and obviously we'll be back next week talking all things BYU football. 
Uh, we got a lot to cover. So nonetheless, a big thank you to all of you for your support of the podcast. Also do want to get a note in real quick. Tough loss for BYU. Uh, women's basketball earlier this week got uh, absolutely blitzed uh, by Oklahoma State 82-50. to BYU was a turnover machine in that game. Uh, so hopefully the Cougars can bounce back from that one. The women's uh, team is back in action. Uh, I've got to pull this up here. They are back in action uh, tomorrow as they, if I can get it to work, Oh, this is always embarrassing when I can't, you know, get things to work uh, when I need them to. All right, there you go. So the women's basketball team is actually hosting Texas Tech tomorrow. So BYU men at Texas Tech, women's team home to Texas Tech. Uh, they're both uh, tipping off at 4 o'clock Mountain Time. Uh, BYU men on ESPN2, as I mentioned. The women's team on e- Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. If you want to uh, do uh, the dual screen thing and watch both of those simultaneously. And also tonight, uh, BYU uh, men's volleyball is still number 9 in the country. They are at UC Santa Barbara. They'll face off against uh, UC Santa Barbara tonight and tomorrow night. Uh, just a little bit of a look ahead to what's going on this weekend. And, all, and women's gymnastics also tonight is at Iowa State in Big 12 action. That's at the Hilton Coliseum. It's also on uh, Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. So a big weekend for BYU sports. Uh, we've gone way over time on this edition of the podcast, but wanted to reward you guys a little bit extra for having missed our show on Thursday. So, that's going to do it. I, I think I got everything out I needed to get out on this Friday edition of the podcast. So thank you to all of you once again for your support of the venture. Thank you for tuning in every single day. And, of course, we will be back with you guys again soon talking all things BYU right here on Locked on Cougars.